Hello, and welcome to the Open Your Eyes podcast. I'm Dr. Kerry Gill, the host of the documentary, Open Your Eyes. When we examine the top 10 medical advances, this miracle rarely makes the list. There are 45 million people in the U.S. that wear this, which is about 13% of the population. There are 125 million people worldwide who wear this. I'm speaking about the miracle of contact lenses. Patients that are severely nearsighted or farsighted explain that they would be disabled, they would be disabled if not for contact lenses. Today, we will be speaking with an expert, Dr. Richard Holtz, who has been practicing optometry for over 30 years. In addition to being an optometrist, he's an attorney and has an MBA. He practices in the Cleveland area. Dr. Holtz, thank you for joining me today. Thank you, Dr. Gelb. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm at home, of course. <laughs> I'm glad you're home, and I'm hope hopefully you're nice and safe. Yes, I am. We're, we're hunkered down, just like an awful lot of other people right now. And the uh, nice thing is, I don't think uh, we would have had a chance to do a podcast if I had my usual schedule of running all over the place, as you, you as well. So let's get into it. How did the contact lens get invented? Well, that's, that's an interesting question because the, uh, the first concept were some drawings by Leonardo da Vinci um, in year 1508, which uh, is pretty amazing that how brilliant some of those guys were. And, and this is just one indication of that. Uh, he didn't actually create a contact lens, but he has drawings, which of course we've seen in our textbooks. And, in any history compilation of contacts. Uh, um, next came along in the, in the or, or, or late 1800s, there were some attempts at taking a piece of glass and putting it in the eye, polishing it so that it was, it was potentially comfortable. But as you can imagine, a hard piece of glass is not, uh, not too comfortable. And it also covered the whole of the eyeball. So it covered the cornea and the sclera which um, would cut off the oxygen supply to the cornea, which is uh, interestingly enough, the only tissue in the body that gets its oxygen supply directly from the air. Needs to be that way so that you can see through it. If there was a bunch of blood vessels in your cornea bringing oxygen to your cornea, which is the very front surface, you wouldn't be able to see through it. So the cornea needs oxygen from the air. So the first examples covered the whole cornea and the whole sclera, which is the white part of your eye, and so it basically suffocated the eye. So maybe you could see for a short time, but that wouldn't last long because the cornea would cloud up because it wasn't getting oxygen. Uh, next generation, years and years later, there was a guy named Tui, and he was working with one of these lenses, and, and, and he had polished the center part so it would be a different curvature, and, and the thing fell apart on him, and he was left with this tiny little round thing, and he said, oh, what the heck, I'll try that. And he put it in his eye and lo and behold he, behold, he could see, and it didn't cover the entire cornea so the cornea could still get some oxygen. So the early ones were glass, and then the next generation were, was a plastic, a hard plastic called polymethyl metacrylate. And that's what a whole bunch of people started wearing in the 1950s and the 1960s, was this little hard piece of plastic which was polished to a prescription, and if you put it on your cornea, you could see. And to your point, it was truly a miracle for someone who had big, thick uh, glasses to have 
a contact lens. Contact means it's in contact with your eye. So that's how contact lenses uh, started. Now these early ones that were on the cornea, unfortunately, they were not oxygen permeable. So the oxygen had to kind of come around the corners to get into the eye. And these lenses, if you wore them for six or eight hours, the cornea would eventually get anoxic or without oxygen and would swell. So if you take them out, then people were, their vision was changed dramatically. Uh, then in the 70s, they decided to mix some silicone in with that polymethyl methacrylate, and that came, became what we call gas permeable lenses. So as, as early as the 70s, that product was developed, and uh, many people still wear those lenses today. And they're actually what we would, the old terminology was hard, we call them gas permeable lenses, and I think most people out there would call them gas permeable lenses as well. They're a little chunk of plastic. If you take it out and you throw it on the counter, it just sits there, it's fine. You can clean it up and put it back in. So extremely durable. And since they had no water in them, no water at all, they, there was no chance for them to get, let's say, infected or kind of go bad and get stuff in the material. So wonderful product at that point. And so then the one, the lens that most people are familiar with now called soft contact lenses, there was a guy in Germany that developed a, a material that's up to half percent water. So you can imagine comfort wise, if you put something that's half percent water in your eye, it's gonna be pretty comfortable. And so that was the invention of the soft lens. And of course you probably all know Bausch and Lohm got the, uh, got the early start on that in, in the early seventies. So through the seventies, soft lenses developed and uh, so people were wearing, maybe half were wearing soft lenses and half were wearing gas permeable lenses. So, but as soft lenses evolved and as people appreciated immediate comfort, the soft lenses just kept getting better. And so they, they, we, they, they mix silicone in with their hydrogel and we have then silicone hydrogel lenses, which not only are, so, are half water, so they're comfortable, but they also let the eye breathe and therefore people could wear them and um, overwear them as well because they're so comfortable. Some people would put them in and just take them out you know, whenever they didn't feel good anymore, which of course is not a great way to wear contact lenses. Um, contact lenses then became uh, mass produced. So you could set up an assembly line and that the one, each one could be as good as the previous and the quality control is extremely good. And as you can imagine, the economies of making those lenses made them less and less costly per lens to the extent where now we have single use contact lenses. Uh, you put it in once and you take it out, throw it away at the end of the day, and every day you do the same. And that is an incredibly healthy way to, to, to wear contact lenses. Uh, the incident, incidence of infections has gone down dramatically. In fact, um, Dr. Gelb has been quoted as saying that single use lenses have killed his red eye practice. So they're so comfortable and they're so healthy. And now those lenses uh, are pretty much the, the number one choice for most um, eye doctors when they talk to patients about wearing contacts for the first time. I certainly wanna add that there are people wearing gas permeable lenses out there. And if you're wearing those, you're fine. Um, in fact, there's some models now where some lenses that are rigid like that are used to reshape the cornea called orthokeratology so people can actually actually get rid of some of their nearsightedness and uh, as well. Talk about the research and development that goes into contact lenses and the FDA process. 
Yeah, that great, great question, because it, it, it really truly is a medical device. It does require a doctor's prescription because of the, the damage you can do to your eyes if the lens doesn't fit properly and or if it's not the right lens for the right person. So the FDA does control contact lenses um, and, the, and they, they require lots of research by four major companies or Bausch and Lomb Cooper, um, Vistacon and Alcon. So if they wanna bring a new material to market, they have to do lots and lots of studies and apply to the FDA so that, they, that the FDA can ascertain that it is a safe product for people. So lots of billions of dollars spent on researching a contact lens before it gets to the point where it's available to us to use with, with the public. I think contact lenses are one of the incredible discoveries that's actually taken for granted because so many people wear it, it's kind of become a commodity. But to be fit right as a doctor, we know the little idiosyncrasies which contact lens, which brand will fit a certain person a little bit better to give them that, that little bit more comfort, a little bit more safety, and that excellent vision, whether they're driving at night or, or playing sports. Take us through some of the tests that doctors do when they're going to prescribe a contact lens for a patient. Well, the first, the first step is almost always a refraction, which we can get to. Uh, but after a refraction, much of the contact lens fitting procedure is a customization of that product for that particular patient. Uh, would begin with an interview with the patient, a, a case history of past contact lens wear. Uh, if it's a new patient, what they might wear their contact lenses for, where they might wear their contact lenses. So lifestyle issues to say which product is better for them, one versus another. Uh, there's additional measurements taken, most specifically curvature on the very front of the eye. You want that to sort of match the curvature on the back of the contact lens. So when the contact lens goes on the eye, it fits. Uh, diameter, people come in all shapes and sizes, as do eyeballs. You have different diameters of the cornea, which would you'd measure to see which contact lens might be best for that patient. There's some newer technologies called uh, spectral microscopy so that you can see the endothelial cells of the cornea and how they may have been affected uh, by previous contact lens wear, or as a baseline to say, let's monitor this person and make sure that their contact lens is healthy for their eye. Additionally, um, people have to know how to take care of contact lenses. Soft lenses, as I mentioned before, have a lot of water in them. They have a lot of potential for becoming contaminated. They need to be taken care of properly. For instance, an example of that that people might not always think of is a soft contact lens when you put it in its disinfecting solution. If you just top that off every day, pretty soon that solution is not doing its job. So just one of those little tidbits in, in care of contact lenses. And of course, people have to be instructed how to learn to put the lenses in and take them out. And it, that's very customiz customized. Uh, we've all had patients who have some unique way to, to get the contact out of their eye. And, and we say to them, does that work for you? And they say, yes. We say, cool. And it's, it's as odd as I had a patient with a gas permeable lens once and she would take the lens and she, she would take a piece of scotch tape and turn it so that sticky part was on her finger and on the outside. And she would touch the lens and pull it out of her eye. And then she, she showed me how she did this and then she held it up and I looked at it and had a little bit of gummy stuff on. I said, so then what you do? She said, oh, I clean it really well. And I sat there and I went, okay. 
<laughs> it's, Why not? It's pretty interesting, right? How things that patients will come up with. They teach us in they teach people in medical school and optometry school that if you listen to the patient, they'll tell you what's wrong with them. Yeah, it couldn't couldn't be more accurate. That's why it takes time and it takes patience. Um, literally patients and also patients because uh, to your point, Dr. Gelb, you've, you've had many patients who talk for a long time and then at the end they say, oh, and by the way, <laughs> and that turns out to be the single most, most important part of your case history. So you mentioned refraction before. Explain what a refraction is and different ways of doing a refraction. A refraction is a term that uh, most people have heard of it's when the doc you go to the eye doctor uh, ophthalmologist or optometrist and he or she determines whether you're nearsighted you're farsighted or if you have astigmatism or if you're presbyopic which is eyes basically that are over 40 45 or so years old um, the idea is to take that the light that's going into your eye is not focusing directly on the macula which is the spot it's supposed to focus on the fovea or the macula it's being focused either before in front of the, the retina, which is nearsightedness, or it hasn't focused yet, which is farsightedness or hyperopia. And so the doctor will determine what your refraction is by giving you some choices, which everybody's chosen between one or two or three or four. And um, that's how the doctor will typically put lenses in front of the eye. It used to be trial lenses, handheld. Now you sure you've all seen that machine called a, a foropter. The cool thing is, many years ago, we got a machine called an, an auto-refractor. It's a piece of equipment that takes, sends light into the eye and then reads that light coming back out once again to see if you're nearsighted, farsighted, or have astigmatism. That is a great sort of objective first place to start refraction. But the art of determining what somebody needs for their prescription depending on their lifestyles, depending on how they answer all those questions, depending on what they need is the art of refraction. And that takes, that takes an interpersonal communication between a patient and a doctor. I guess you can't really do it on a cell phone the way it needs to be done. Now, I always look at it on a scale of one to 10. We want our patients to see a 10. But if they're doing it on a cell phone or doing it through a computer, they may not be able to see a 10 out of 10. And that could be an issue when people are driving at night or playing sports or trying to learn because 80% of learning with kids is through their eyes. Exactly. So if, if you want to see a 10 out of 10, which most people want to, the problem is they don't know if they're seeing a 7 out of 10 because they don't have a standard. They don't have that crisp, clear, perfect vision that we can accomplish through, as I said, the art of refraction. Excellent. So tell us about what astigmatism is. You mentioned nearsighted, foresighted. Explain astigmatism. Astigmatism is something that almost everybody has a little bit of. It, it's not a disease. It's not a condition. It's strictly a refractive aspect of the way a particular eyeball bends the light. So in optics, when light meets a curved surface, it gets bent in certain ways. And once again, back to previously, the fovea and the macula is where it's supposed to focus right at that point. That's if you're emotropic or if you don't have any nearsighted or farsighted or astigmatism. 
how that light is bent is very much dependent on the curvature of the of the eyeball where the light comes in and then focuses. So if you have an extremely steep cornea, that causes nearsightedness. A flat cornea is farsightedness or hyperopia. The eyeball is not always spherical. If you think of a, a sphere, any sphere that you can see, for instance, a basketball, um, something that's completely round, it's gonna have the same curvature from the top to the bottom as it has from the left to the right. That's a sphere. The front part of that would be a sphere if you cut it in half. Well, eyeballs are not always shaped like that. Many times they have a different curvature in one meridian than the other. So for instance, let's say take a football, cut a football in half lengthwise. That's gonna be much steeper top to bottom than it is left to right, much flatter. So that causes that surface, that toric surface we'll call it, to bend light at different places in the eye and cause blur and cause a lot of eye strain. So what you need to correct, ast correct astigmatism or basically to neutralize that astigmatism is an optical device, either a glasses lens or a contact lens that has a different prescription this way than it does this way. And the difference between those two, if it's very slight, then somebody has a slight astigmatism. If it's pretty dramatic, which can happen um, either just naturally or there's a couple conditions that can cause dramatic astigmatism, then it's extremely different curvature top to bottom or left to right to make it to try to make it understandable and somewhat simplistic. So let's talk about the different modalities of wearing contact lenses. There's people that wear their contact lenses for one month, two weeks, barely contact lenses like you alluded to before. Remember the old days where people had one pair of contact lenses for the, for the year and they used to heat it. Yeah, yeah. Even going back to gas permeable lenses, as we talked about, those of us who are old enough to, to see a basketball game on TV where everybody's down on the floor looking for somebody's contact lens. I mean, that was the best it got at that point. And once again, still not a bad product, but that's the way it used to be. And one contact lens might cost $100. So it was worth looking around on the floor to find that. And it was so customized at that point that you couldn't just pull another one out and say, you know, here, basketball player, take this one. It works just as well. So that's, that's, that's kind of an interesting uh, throwback that, that everybody that's our age has, has, has certainly seen. Soft contact lenses being the mainstay now, I'll speak to those a little bit. Uh, as they became more and more comfortable and more and more uh, oxygen permeable and they had less and less effect on suffocating the eye, then uh, people started wearing them longer and longer and longer and uh, because they were so comfortable. And when I say longer, I mean keeping them in their eyeball. So um, at that point, the, the, the researchers and the FDA approved some contact lenses to be slept in. And that's where the term extended wear comes from. Um, unfortunately, there were some products that were touted that you could wear for a month at a time. And that was even, they were able to even market that. And so those people, most of the people that did that learned pretty quickly that that was not the right thing to do because they would get these corneal ulcers and you don't, since you're sleeping in it, the contact lens is acting like a band-aid and you don't feel that ulcer forming underneath there until it gets bad. And then you wake up and you say, well, oh my gosh, look at my eye, it's all red and I can't see. And then you take the contact lens out and there's this ulcer. And if that ulcer is over to the side part of your eye, it heals nicely and there's a little scar. But if it's right on the center of your vision, you can have permanent vision loss. 
So I think most eye doc, every eye doctor has a different opinion, but personally, I don't encourage anyone to sleep in any contact lenses at all, unless it's for a purpose like orthokeratology, where you're trying to accomplish something and it's short term. So that once again, the healthiest, best way to wear contact lenses, think of it as a product that's only new once. Think of if you wear soft lenses, how comfortable that lens is when you get a brand new one. You can now economically do that every single day. So that's the safest way to wear contacts. We still use some lenses that people throw away every two weeks, not sleeping in them, and some lenses that people throw away every month and not sleeping in them. But that's about it. That's the longest uh, use that I ever approve for any contact lenses is one month, not sleeping in them. And then certainly at the opposite end of the spectrum, throwing them away every day is uh, clearly the safest, healthiest, and most convenient. Uh, you don't even have to sterilize them because they come out, they're new, you put them in your eye, you take them out, you throw it away. So you don't have to have a, a little heater, uh, which Dr. Gelb uh, referred to, which is a long time ago. And you certainly don't need to, to disinfect them because they're only being used once. Let's talk about people that need bifocals and contact lenses. You know, now they have contact lenses for people that need, that need bifocals. It's incredible how, how do those work and it, it's really an incredible invention, a medical miracle. I, I couldn't agree with you more. And I, I think, you know, even having done this for 30 or 40 years, you know, and I look at that little piece of plastic that's half water, and I think that can take somebody who's dramatically myopic, can't see it all, can't even function, and you put that in the eye and it, it, it works and they can see. I mean, it, it truly is a miracle. Um, to answer your question about presbyopia, folks that are over 40 or 50 have to get reading glasses or have a different prescription for close than they have for far. Uh, happens to everybody. There are no exceptions. So contact lens manufacturers, of course, would like to have people stay in contacts when they get to that point instead of wearing, uh, instead of going out of contacts and wearing bifocals or instead of wearing reading glasses over contacts, uh, they're very motivated to make a soft contact lens that helps people see far away and close for those people that are 45 and older. Um, a variety of different uh, ways they do that, but ultimately there's parts of the lens that lets you focus for far away and parts of the lens that lets you focus for close. And the designs are, are, are biomedical engineering miracles. It's just amazing because they have something called simultaneous vision where you can see far away and close at the same time, but you don't have to look through certain parts of the lens like you do with an eyeglass lens. So they're, they're pretty darn amazing. Especially if you stick with one of the main companies like Alcon or Johnson & Johnson Vision, Cooper Vision, Bausch & Lomb, they all have their own separate design of these bifocal or multifocal contact lenses. And all the technology is going into single use, one day contact lenses. And every year they're getting better and better. It's really, it's really incredible. Yeah, couldn't agree with you more. And, and it, it's interesting you mentioned that each company, because each company has, they're not me too lenses. Each one of those big four companies, they have their own design that they've, they've developed through their R&D department. And so the good news is that if you have a patient who wants these lenses, you've got four choices. The bad news is you've got four choices. So that's where, once again, it just becomes talking to the patient, seeing what their near requirements are. Do they use a computer? If they use a computer, how far away is it for them? And then picking the best first choice and then certainly having that be uh, a first choice, but then having some other choices. So 
if you go to see your eye doctor and, and you, you feel like, wow, they, they, they picked one and it wasn't quite right and you had to use another one, that is very much standard uh, care for multifocal contact lenses. Yeah, we, sometimes we have to tweak it just to get it just right because where it, where it sits on the eye, if it's not right where the visual axis is compared to what we call this angle lambda, I mean, it, 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 it could fit differently on every patient. So sometimes we have to work with it. But in general, if we work with it, we generally can get it where patients can see distance and they can read and they can do their job. And when, if, if, if it works for a patient, they're absolutely thrilled. And it's same with astigmatism. Absolutely. The astigmatism lenses um, have some kind of, uh, I think, a little bit easier to understand uh, design. Uh, at first, basically, the lens needs to not rotate. Because if you remember on astigmatism, we said the prescription uh, was one direction and the other. So that lens can't rotate. Now, an eyeglass lens sits where it sits. It's not going to rotate. So you can neutralize the astigmatism pretty easily. In a contact lens, the researchers had to figure out a way to make that lens stay where it's supposed to be so that people could see. First, they tried hacking off the bottom and they called it a truncation, which is pretty, pretty, pretty amazing when you think about it. And that actually did stabilize the lens because that little hacked off part, the truncation, would keep the lens in place so that the astigmatism correction was where it was supposed to be. But it wasn't very comfortable. So the next generation of astigmatism soft contact lenses had a little weight and it, the weight was one place and gravity would bring that weight of the lens, not a weight you could see, but just because of the mass of the lens being a little heavier, bring that part down to the bottom. And then they put a little mark on there so we could see if it's where it's supposed to be. So they do that and they even uh, take into consideration things like the lid dynamics and how someone blinks and make sure that the, the blinking of the eye actually supports and helps the lens be exactly where it's supposed to be. So, and the astigmatism lenses can, can now correct people that have a whole bunch of astigmatism. I'm sure you've, uh, you've probably heard people say, oh, I've got astigmatism, I can't wear contact lenses. Well, it's quite the opposite. The, the astigmatism lenses, as we talked about before, in terms of reproducibility and quality and design are amazing. So if you ever thought you couldn't wear contacts because you have astigmatism, uh, please come in. Come, go see your eye doctor. And they put those marks on the contact lenses for the doctors. So in case the contact lens is rotating, we could compensate for it. Yeah, exactly. And so that's uh, pretty amazing stuff. And they have these in single use as well. Yep. So uh, Dr. Gelb's point, both the presbyopic lenses that we talked about, quote unquote, multifocal, and the astigmatism lenses all come in single use lenses now. Now, does every single contact lens work for every single patient? No, um, and, and in fact, that's, um, that's the point that it is an art and the people that are good at contact lens fittings are very good at it. And it comes as part of a questionnaire and sitting and talking to somebody. And as we made the point, when you talk to people, sometimes they'll say, oh, by the way, <laughs> and that would be the most important piece of information you get. You can't do that with a computer and you can't do that with your iPhone. You can only do that by coming in and seeing your doctor who has lots of experience, can help you get the best contact lens possible uh, with an initial lens, potentially, and if not, the next one or the next one. But it is an art. You know, I had a patient recently who was wearing one of the big four contact lenses, 
that happened to be a Bachelorette contact lens. And it was a spherical contact lens. It wasn't for presbyopia, people that have trouble reading or people with astigmatism. It was just a regular uh, contact lens. And a younger person, uh, she was in her uh, early 30s, and she decided to order contact lenses online where they substituted for a different brand that uh, brand of contact lenses that wasn't made by Bachelorette, but was actually made by another company in Asia. And she came back and she was just wearing, it was a single use contact lens, but it was causing her eye to be swollen and she wasn't seeing well and she felt it was dangerous for her to drive at night. And sure enough, we put it back in the Bachelorette contact lens and it could have been Johnson Johnson or Cooper Vision or Alcon. And then she, she, was, she was seeing fine again. So there is a big difference on uh, contact lenses made by the big four because of all the research and development they put into contact lenses. Yeah, absolutely. And it, 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 it is truly a very much, very different product that was made 30 years ago than is now. And the, the product that uh, Dr. Gelb's alluding to, there's many, you see many ads on television for a product that prices, it's too good to be true. And it, it really is too good to be true because it's not the same lens. It's not the same uh, scientifically advanced product that we're fortunate to be able to have at our disposal. And you should, as a patient, you should have, you should have the best. So talk about the side effects of contact lenses. As physicians, when we look at a patient's eye, what are, or certain complaints, what are some side effects that people actually have from not using their contact lenses the way they should? Well, I think a couple of things come to mind. One is the eyes, the, the, the contact lens is, is, is helped by the good tears. And many of us don't have such good tears as we get older. So it's important, number one, to have the right product. So you have a lens that, that does keep your eye hydrated. And number two, if you need to have drops to uh, supplement that, to have the right drops to, to help soothe and lubricate your eye while it has a contact lens in it. And then lastly, there's a lot of um, dry eye that's associated with things that can be treatable. Uh, we used to always just say, oh, you got dry eye, try some eye drops. Well, there's a whole bunch of other stuff going on now. We know that a lot of it has to do with these meibomian glands that get clogged up and they call that meibomian gland dysfunction. And there's treatments for that now that are coming out. And that can, that can take you from being an unsuccessful contact lens wearer to being a successful contact lens wearer just so your eyes are soothed and lubricated. And then back to disinfecting. If you're still one of those people who's taking your lens out and trying to get it nice and clean and rehydrated and wear it again, you need to take care of, to always replace that solution in full in the well so that your lens is, is disinfected so that you don't get, you can actually, it, the, the contact lens solution when it becomes diluted, it can actually harbor uh, bacteria and so you could be reinfecting your eye every day if you're not taking care of them properly. Same thing with old makeup, mascara. Older makeup can have can harbor bacteria. So there's just basically, you need to go see a competent eye doctor who's had lots of experience with contact lenses, match up the product with your lifestyle and what you need. Then you're giving yourself the best shot to have happy, healthy uh, eyes and see well. What is a symptom that when a patient should absolutely take out their contact lens to avoid a serious eye injury or eye infection? Yeah, I always tell people three things. One, if you can't see right, take it out. If it doesn't feel right, take it out. If you look in the mirror, it doesn't look right, take it out. Pretty simple. 
And if we talk about the difference between daily, two week, one month, talk about the difference in safety between the three of them. Yeah, the, the more times you wear a contact lens, the, the more chance is that that lens is going to have an ill effect on your eye. Um, you know, they're obviously all soft lenses other than some of the really older ones, like Carrie said, that are imported from who knows where and sold online. Other than those, contact lenses are very safe and then anyone who's interested should try them. Uh, the more often you throw a contact lens away, the, the less chance you're going to have an eye problem related to that contact lens, period. And let's talk about, you mentioned cleaning before. If you could just review the proper cleaning of a contact lens that is a two-week or a one-month. Obviously, the daily one, you're going to throw it every day, period. But if you have a contact lens that's two-week or one-month, are we going to rub it clean? How does that work? Um, I, I think that there's different recommendations that might come from different doctors. I can tell you what my personal opinion is. I think that it you know, needs to come out of your eye and be soaked in the solution overnight or maybe less hours than that if you have one of the hydrogen peroxide solution regimes. But I always like around a week, if it's not, if it's not feeling as good as it started, I think there's nothing wrong with putting the lens in your eye with some of the solution or in your hand with some of the solution and lightly rubbing it in a circular motion, turning it over and doing the same thing on the other side. That way, if there's something on the lens that's not coming off just by soaking, you're very, very lightly surfactant cleaning that lens. I think that's fine once a week. If you're scrubbing it every day, it's gonna rip. So talk to me about the future of contact lenses. Uh, that's, um, you know, technology in so many places and so many things, particularly in, in biomedical engineering and medical devices, it's changing, changing so fast. Um, I think the contact lenses, uh, the single use lens right now is so safe and so, um, so easy and so convenient that it's hard to imagine what could come next. Some things, sometimes they're using people that need um, medication for their, for their eyes, particularly for glaucoma for drops. They're finding a way to kind of impregnate that, that, um, that medicine in the contact lens. So you put a contact lens in your eye and that gives you not only better vision, but could also treat your glaucoma at the same time. That's wonderful. Now, we're in the middle of this COVID-19 uh, epidemic. What should people do if they wear contact lenses and they're concerned about COVID-19? Well, first of all, I, you know, sensationalism is what's happening now. Uh, not that it's not a serious problem, of course, but people will pick up something because it's sensational. And I know I saw one blurb where somebody said, stop wearing your contact lenses. I mean, come on, you know the person who said that doesn't wear contact lenses. I'm wearing mine. Yeah, and you're not gonna say stop wearing contact lenses because you know what a miracle it is. And you know, somebody who's got big thick glasses, they can't see very well with them and then they pop contact lenses in and they can see beautifully. Um, that person's probably not gonna say stop wearing contact lenses, even if he's or she is a doctor. They're gonna know what a wonderful thing they are. So basically it's taking every safety step that there is and saying, do a little more of that. Wash your hands a little more often. Be a more, little bit more meticulous. There's stories out there of people who share contact lenses with some other family member. So obviously all the rules will still apply. Just be more meticulous. Uh, 
you know, washing your hands more often. I, Dr. De Silva was talking about how do you wash your hands, and I started paying attention. You know, the, the, the way they teach in medical school is that the water flows over your hands down to the bottom of your fingers, and so it's not, you don't wash them like this, you don't wash them like this, you wash them hands down. And then he also said the thumbs, people will wash their hands and never touch their thumbs. So wash your thumbs too. You know, I mean, who, who to thunk, right? So take all the precautions that you know about. If you want to read online about how you take care of contact lenses, take those contact lens precautions and take them up a notch. Um, as far as I know, there's not uh, much research. Maybe one or 2% of people with COVID have had any eye effects. And certainly it's probably not going to be the first thing you see. Maybe somebody who's been very ill with it, there's a chance that they could transfer it from, from their mouth into their eyes. And then there's a couple reports that potentially it could travel up mucosa up to your eyes. But, you know, it's such, such new information and something comes out. But I think that saying, if you wear contacts, stop wearing them, that's the kind of sensationalism, I think, that gets people confused. Of course, if you have a, a conjunctivitis, which supposedly COVID could cause, or your eye starts tearing, you're not going to wear your contacts, but you would never wear it anyway if your eyes are red or irritated, like you said before. Yeah, like same thing, same rules. Just maybe be a little more meticulous, be a little safer. So Dr. Holtz, if somebody wants to get in contact with you, they want to become a patient of yours, how could they do this? Uh, start, start, as, as always, starts with a website. Uh, www.drholtz.com and we do have uh, a couple of our uh, locations in Northeast Ohio open for emergencies only. Well, I want to thank Dr. Holtz for joining us today. I'm Dr. Kerry Gell for Open Your Eyes. Until next time, thank you for joining us.